Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for podcasters by podcasters. Podcasting Smarter is the official podcast from Podbean, featuring podcasting interviews, best practices, and helpful tips. We're here to give you the tools, resources, product updates, and news to help you get started podcasting and keep your podcast growing. Hello and welcome to Podcasting Smarter. This is Norma Jean Belenke, Podbean's Head of Events. And today's episode is a special Halloween episode with Kaylin Moore, the creator of the Heart Starts Pounding podcast. We're going to talk about spooky tales, how she gets episode ideas, how the show's made, favorite episodes, and more. Stay tuned. And here we go. Hi, Kaylin. How's it going? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're so excited and happy Halloween. I mean, what a perfect way to celebrate, right? (laughs) I know. It's my favorite time of year. Absolutely. Especially as someone in the horror podcast, spooky podcast genre. So first off, everybody out there who hasn't listened, your link is in the show notes of today's episode. And tell us a little bit about Heart Starts Pounding because it's such a special and really fun show. Yeah. Heart Starts Pounding, colon, horrors, hauntings, and mysteries is really just that. It's I like to say a community for people with dark curiosity, and we dive into different horrors, hauntings, and mysteries. Some have more of a true crime bend, some have a supernatural or paranormal bend, but they're all just really thrilling, fun stories that exactly that, like for the darkly curious, for people who just kind of want to deep dive into a subject. Yeah, absolutely. And you have some really fun episodes. We're going to dive deeper later into kind of what some of those episodes are. But it's a show that's also not too scary. So for everybody out there, it's kind of a it's kind of a great Halloween show that's like, you know, you've got some spooky and the the music we're gonna talk about the, you know, sound design and kind of what yeah. you're doing there later. But you know, it's also one of those things where no matter kind of where you fall on the on the spectrum of like how scary you can tolerate things, it's a really fun show in that regard as well. Like it's not too scary. Totally. I have some people who tell me they listen to it with their kids. And there's definitely some episodes that I didn't make really with children in mind. So I'm like, okay, I trust parents and their discretion. But a lot of people have told me that they're like 10 year olds will listen to the show. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something where you could see like teens and yeah. Um, oh, totally. You know, yeah, absolutely. So first off, tell us a little bit about how you got started into podcasting and what inspired you to create Heart Starts Pounding, Horrors, Hauntings and Mysteries. Yeah. Specifically, I guess I got into podcasting. The first podcast I ever worked on was The Timekeeper, which is an audio drama. So it's a four episode, 30 minutes a piece. There's like a full cast of actors. It's a script. There's sound design. It feels like a movie that you're watching as an audio drama. And that's something that I was able to work on all throughout 2022. And that's out now on all podcast platforms as well. And kind of through that process, I got really into the idea of podcasting. I come from television. And I think in COVID in 2021, I started seeing the writing on the wall of that industry. It's an industry I love and I love television. But unfortunately, it's just kind of been crumbling a little bit. And you see it this year with the strike and a lot of like TV shows consolidating and a lot of stuff being canceled. So podcasting to me felt like this really fun, open space where... It was a little more democratic, kind of anyone could make a show. So I wanted to explore more in that area. And the first thing I did was the timekeeper. But as timekeeper was wrapping and I was a little bit like, oh, no, what am I going to do? What's my next project? What am I going to do? 
um, I started kind of percolating on the idea of Heart Starts Pounding and putting out a few episodes. I've always had a really dark curiosity. And I just wanted a place to kind of tell the stories that I get really obsessed with. That was also the time that I was experimenting with social media and I was using TikTok a lot. And some of the stories I was talking about on TikTok had been doing really well, but that medium, especially at that time, was really only for one-minute videos. If I was able to make the longer version of the stories on a podcast, people would maybe be open to that and would be interested. So that's kind of how the idea started. I just started doing the full mint, like 30-minute version of the stories I was really into. And people just started moving over. They were really, really open to it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it sounds like podcasting was really the perfect medium for the stories that you wanted to tell. And, you know, TikTok is one of those places where it really draws people in, right? You have that hook, you draw people in, you you know, you have the spooky music and the visuals. And and then it's, you know, it's something where we've got your socials here in the show notes today. So for everybody who wants to check out Kaylin's TikTok, it's a very cool channel, but it's something where I think, you know, podcasting really allows you to build that universe out in a way where you know, like you were saying, it's more democratic as a medium. And the sky's really the limit for creators. That first project you were talking about, I think you also were one of the talent, like you were a voice actor on it as well. Is that right? No, not in the Timekeeper, actually. Okay, That was a a SAG production. We got real actors for that one. (laughs) Oh, okay, perfect. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's something where building out your audience in that way of saying, hey, you know, we're connected on TikTok. You're part of my community here. If you want to hear more, there's an opportunity. And so because you also have this background of coming from television, coming from the entertainment industry, a lot of podcasters out there can feel really intimidated, right? Like Mm. in terms of, you know, what goes into the arc of a story or what's going to draw people in. And, you know, coming from that standpoint, we're going to talk more about the, how you've put the show together and favorite episodes. But in terms of your background, because you also were a TV writer as well. And, you know, I think what you said is totally accurate in terms of the SAG strike and COVID. And, you know, with streaming, a lot of things are changing. And so podcasting really offers creators this unlimited creativity, right? You have a blank slate, Mm -hmm. you can do kind of whatever you want with it. But coming from the background and entertainment that you've had, what are some things maybe that you learned that you were able to bring into the creation of the show? Totally. That's a great question. I think storytelling was the biggest one. Just how to tell a story and keep people interested, right? Because that's the best thing. That's the what everyone's fighting for right now is attention. And so keeping someone's attention for 30 minutes. And one of the jobs I had in entertainment was I worked for James Wan, who does all the Conjuring movies. He's like a horror genius. He's just the best. And I kind of joke, I feel like I got a master's in horror from him because the way that everyone at that company just thought about storytelling and story structure and what makes something scary, what makes something good, what makes something interesting. I just felt like I learned so much. And so I took a lot of that with me as I started making Heart Starts Pounding. And I had just read at that job thousands of scripts. That was most of my job was just reading scripts all day. So I had all of these examples of like really, really good, like well-told stories that I can just kind of like draw back on. Like, okay, let's think about structure. Let's think about formatting. Let's get the bones of what I'm trying to say really strong so that I can populate it with all the different kinds of stories that I want to tell. That's probably the biggest thing just coming from entertainment. The biggest benefit of having those jobs was just really being able to hone in on storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something where also, you know, like you said, 
Um, and for everybody out there who maybe is adjacent or know, has a friend who's worked in entertainment, a lot of those jobs that are entry level that you would take maybe traditionally when you're younger, when you first start out in the industry. And, you know, this is pre-AI, right? So pre-chat yeah. GPT, reading things, submissions, stuff like that. So, you know, as someone who is newer in a company, in a production house, you would just read hundreds or even thousands and thousands yeah. of scripts. So I think it's also, you know, I think people who work in publishing have a similar experience, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're just exposed to so many kinds of stories. And I'm sure at some point, you know, you can tell which ones are interesting or where you want the plot twist to come in or, yeah. you know, which characters feel a little bit tired or overused, that kind of thing as well. Definitely. Yeah. And then every now and then you get a really fresh one that has like a twist you didn't see coming. And it's so inspiring when someone does it really well and you can watch or read something that, yeah, just feels like fresh and new and unexpected. Those are my favorite kinds of things. And so I'm always trying to add some sort of element of surprise or twist or a new take on something. One of the stories that I'm telling, that's the kind of stuff that really inspires me. Yeah, absolutely. And just reading a little bit about yourself and your background, there's also been this kind of like draw in terms of that dark curiosity, because you've mentioned mm -hmm. this a couple of times. There's also a story, I think, with your grandfather, right? Catching a serial killer in your hometown. So it sounds like also, you know, you're able to take a lot of this experience that you gained, you know, in your early professional years and tie it with your personal history as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always joke that I'm from a very Stephen King town because that's always how it <laughs> felt. You know, the first witch to be hanged in the American witch trials was from my hometown. We've always had that kind of like witchcraft lore in town. One of the most prolific serial killers at the turn of the 20th century, my great grandfather helped catch like yeah, I always grew up with those stories and I was always so fascinated. I I get like I deeply romanticize the history of places and those are my favorite kinds of stories to tell. I love when there's like a good juicy history to a building or to a town. Like when I meet people, I love to know about what was the thing in your town? What's the old crazy history that no one knows about your town? Because I, I feel like every place has a story like that. But that was always kind of like the cornerstone of my interests. And as I was trying to make career choices, I guess, in my early 20s, it was always kind of guided by that. I always wanted to work at places that were working on darker material and mysteries and scary stuff and ghosts. And so, yeah, that's always kind of been the thing that's been leading me is just my own, yeah, dark curiosity. Yeah, it sounds like that personal connection influenced your interest. And, you know, it, it really kind of was almost like a, a light that guided, you know, a yeah. little bit of, you know, how you made those decisions or how you navigated your path at something where that was where your interest really lies, which is, yeah. is so cool. I think it's important, I think, for podcasters out there, follow that interest, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's that's the thing that you have is you and your interests and your taste. And so I think that's the thing that people have to follow is like, what's the thing that makes you interesting or makes you stand out and that no one else can do but you? And for me, I could never do like a comedy podcast. We started out <laughs> trying to make Heart Starts Pounding kind of funny and it just didn't feel right because I think I'm conversationally maybe funny with my friends, but not like in front of a stage of people like I'm making everyone laugh out loud. So like, I was never going to be comedy. It was never going to be all these other things. But yeah, the thing that I've always had is just my interest in my curiosity and then my ability to tell a story. So that's just the direction I tried to pursue with Heart Starts Pounding. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's something where for 
everybody out there, you know, who has a curiosity in a specific subject or a specific story, you know, we always think that our qualifications have value or our equipment has value, but that curiosity also has value. So don't yeah, definitely. That. Yeah, I think I totally agree. Yeah, it's something that I think is is so overlooked, but don't discount it. And Heart Starts Pounding covers a wide range of topics, right? So true crime, supernatural tales. How do you decide on the topics for your episodes? Are you following that curiosity? Are you reading articles? Are you scrolling TikTok and like finding cool spooky stories? Are you asking friends? Totally. It's really all of the above. I think I'm just a big like, I want to say garbage disposal, but that's not the right word. For like, no, it's totally. I love that. Content. It's like you're a big composter. Just, yeah. I'm like sucking yeah. it in all day. I'm like reading all the headlines. I'm looking at Reddit. I'm looking at TikTok. I'm looking at Twitter or X. Yeah. I'm just like looking everywhere. I'm also going through like the Rolodex of stories I have in my mind. I'm going through lots of old newspapers. In terms of picking a story, it's hard to put into words exactly how I do it because a lot of it is based on just what I find interesting. There's a lot of really popular topics that I think I could make sense for Heart Starts Pounding that I just either haven't found the spark or haven't found all that interesting and haven't chosen to pursue. And then there's a episode that might really not make a whole lot of sense for Heart Starts Pounding that I just find really interesting and I'll throw in there, which is great because it keeps me very passionate about the stuff that I do. And I think it, it helps me be able to like do as much research as I do. But yeah, I really look for stories that haven't been overdone. I look for stories that have good sources or have some sort of twist or feel fresh or feel relevant. I love older stories. I've always loved stories that are older and kind of like bleed the line between folklore and stuff that's been reported on. Yeah, like I said, it's kind of hard to tell. Like I did an episode about Harvard's bad past with illegal body trading because that was just something that kind of popped up in the headlines and I had been really interested in and had been reading all the coverage of what was yeah. going on at Harvard and found out there was a whole history of this and just wanted to make an episode. Yeah, And then the disappearance of Boris Weisfeiler was a case I found that hadn't really been talked about, but his sister had done such a phenomenal job of collating all of the information to ever be released about him. So it was just like this gold mine for a researcher of like all of this perfectly organized information and a story that hadn't really been told. So that one was really, really interesting to put out. And then I love a good ghost story. So <laughs> Any ghost story I'll pretty much tell because I just love them. So yeah, it really, it does cover a wide range of topics. And I kind of thought about that when I was trying to pick a name for the show. I wanted something that was intentionally vague, but just sounded spooky so that it gave me a really big net of topics I could cover. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what's so fun about it is that it's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to get, right? Every time yeah. it's a bit of a surprise, right? And so you know, there are podcasts out there, most podcasts I would say within the horror genre or true crime, right? You know, like every time you're going to get maybe a true crime murder, you're going to get yeah something, you know, very specific. And I think what's so fun about the show is that, you know, it's kind of this lucky dip. You never know, yeah. you know, you put your hand in the bin and you never know what you're going to come out with. So I think that that's a really fun aspect of it as well. And the show is really beautiful, right? In terms of the music and the sound and, you know, creating that like kind of spooky feeling. So walk us through a little bit of your production process in terms of first off recording the show. Like you said, mm -hmm. you know, finding the information, doing the research, 
whether you're finding like a gold mine of information and notes on stuff, or, you know, if you're doing interviews, anything like that to kind of garner more information to the recording and adding mm-hmm. that really cool sound in there to get that final experience for the listener. Yeah, totally. So I try to pick my topics like eight weeks in advance or just like come up with a batch of eight weeks, like a chunk so that I can spend a few days just going through all the subjects, making sure there's enough information, making sure they actually make sense for the show. Like sometimes I'll pick something that sounds interesting, but we'll find out it something about it just doesn't really resonate with the show. It's just too devastating or there's not enough information or what have you go through and pick out which ones are actually going to be episodes. And then it's really like research, 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 just trying to find as many sources, good sources, newspapers, court records, documentaries about the subject and kind of filtering all of that through my brain of like, okay, well, what's the story structure? How am I going to make this into a story? So it's like first is the research, then it's the forming of the story and figuring out what angle I want to come in from. Am I going to try to change up the format at all this time? Reading it out loud, making sure it all makes sense. And then I record in my closet right behind me. Yes. It's perfect. I love that. It's great. All of the clothes absorb all the noise and there's no echo and it's great. I actually do have a sound designer now, which is amazing. But he did say the sound was like all the audio I was recording was really great. It sounded like I was in a studio and I was like, yes. That's my closet. But I really spent a lot of time at the beginning making sure the sound of the show was exactly what I wanted before I handed it off to a sound designer. So I knew that I wanted... I got really inspired listening to lore, Aaron Mankey's lore back in the day and even now. And I just loved the use of old piano music in that. It was so beautiful to me. So I knew I wanted to have a lot of old, beautiful piano music in it and stuff around that things that sounded like slightly classical pretty acoustic and just like beautiful and a little ominous so those were all the songs that I was choosing and then like really lightly scattered sound effects I am a little precious about sound effects I don't like when there's so many sound effects I actually think in terms of an audio experience your brain overloads a little faster than with movies I studied sound design in college. This is really helpful to hear where you're coming from with it. Yeah, totally. When you are sound designing a film, you are spending so much time thinking about, I'm putting the dialogue in the center of, if I'm doing 5-1, dialogue's in the center, sound effects are in the side. That way they're not crowding each other. But if you're just listening to audio in your headphones, all the sound is kind of like together. And when you're watching of movie, your brain is kind of separating the sounds. Like if you see a door open and close, like your brain knows automatically that like that sound isn't really crowding the dialogue. It's not crowding the other sound effects, but you don't get those visual cues in a podcast. So if you're just hearing a ton of sound effects, at least this is my experience too. It's totally different for different people, but my brain just like overloads. If I'm hearing so many sounds and it's kind of competing with the dialogue and there's also music, it was like so overwhelming. So I knew I wanted to use sound effects really sparsely. I also, the beauty of horror typically is less is more. So if I really want to underscore a moment, I will like add the sound of a door creaking open. I'll add a couple footsteps. I'll keep it really sparse. It's usually to highlight a scary moment. And I'll also say this because I don't know if it's obvious in the show, but I'll never use sound effects at a time that describes a real person suffering because I don't know that that is effective. And I don't know that that's respectful, honestly. Like 
if I'm ever talking about colonia dignidad, if I'm talking about people being led to these like torture chambers, I'm not going to like put the sound effects of them screaming or I'm not going to put the sound effects of them walking. I like to keep those moments really sparse. The emotion just hits that much more. And it sounds like a little, at least in my experience, it reads as a little much. And these were real people. Like I don't ever want it to sound corny if it was a real person that was experiencing that. So that's just like another little thing I have with my sound design too that maybe people have picked up on, but that's like an intentional choice that I'm making. Yeah, I think it's something where in terms of the tone of your show, right? It's something where you want to keep it respectful. It also kind of lends to something where it's not an audio drama, right? It's There's not actors. So it's something where you know, you're telling a story, but it's not being acted out. And so yeah. the sound effects are really helpful to create the scene and to fill out the experience. But I think, you know, when you're talking about you know, someone's real life pain or something horrible that happened, it's really nice that you keep it respectful in that way where, yeah. you know, it just lets the story tell itself in that way. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. And actually, we have a clip of the show. So we're going to play a clip of Heart Starts Pounding, Horrors, Hauntings, and Mysteries. Um, and this is from a really recent episode which is super cool called Folklore, Stories of Appalachian Horror. So this is one of Kaylin's newest episodes for everybody out there. And it really kind of gives a little bit of insight into what the show sounds like and what you'll expect from listening to this incredible podcast. So stay tuned and we'll play the clip now. A solo traveler stepped up onto his porch. He asked Adam if he could stay the night. There were no inns in the area, but he saw Adam's large farm and thought maybe he would have a room. The stranger had a small amount of money on him and offered to pay for the stay. But Adam was a devout Lutheran. He believed in the kindness of strangers, in loving thy neighbor, and he told the traveler it would be no trouble. But that night, up in the room that the traveler was staying in, Adam could hear horrible groans, as if someone were dying. Throughout the night, he could also hear boots loudly clamoring on the wooden floor. Adam and his wife couldn't take it any longer, and they went upstairs, opened the creaky wooden door of the guest room to see that the stranger was laying in bed in agony. His lips were blue and he was covered in sweat. He told them he was dying. In terms of the episodes that you've made, I want to talk to you a little bit about the timeline because, you know, we talk about this all the time at Podbean in terms of, you know, when you launch your show, how many episodes you should have done, making sure you have a consistent schedule, but that it's also like, okay to pivot, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's something where, you know, you've had the show for about 18 months since it launched. And I think we're almost up to episode 40. And mm -hmm. so it's something where I think for everybody out there, the path to having a successful podcast isn't like you launch and then, you know, you're getting a hundred million downloads an, an episode yeah. and then you do it every week and it becomes your full-time career. It can be for most podcasters, it takes a lot of time to build that up and to, to also, you know, get clear with what works for you in terms of your production, in terms of your release schedule, your publishing schedule, all of that as well. Because from what we're talking about in terms of the sound design and the research you're doing, it takes a lot of time to produce these episodes. Yeah, it does take a lot of time yeah. to produce them. 
I mean, the show has evolved a lot since the beginning. I was kind of saying earlier, it was like a little funnier at the beginning. It was me and a co-host and it was more jokey and it was also more supernatural tales that were being told by listeners. And I was doing it every other week. And that became a little unmanageable because I was dealing with my co-host schedule and they had a full-time job and couldn't dedicate as much time as they wanted or as I wanted. And then getting people to share their stories was also really hard. You have to find all these stories. You have to like ask the people if they're willing to share. And sometimes they ghost you. And it's like this whole, it was not going to be possible to continue making an episode every other week if I was relying on that many people's stories. And also the show wasn't really working. Like I would listen to it back and know that it wasn't as good as it could be. And I'm lucky that I'm surrounded by people who do kind of give it to me straight and I trust their opinion and I want that constructive criticism. And they were really telling me what was good about the show and what wasn't really working. And I was looking at the data too. I was seeing how long were people listening for, how many people were following the show versus just listening to it. When were people dropping off of the episodes? And I just started playing with the format because I was like, if this isn't working, I'm just going to try a few new things. I tried a much more storytelling approach and that totally changed the show that people started listening through the whole thing. People started telling their friends. Way more people started actually following the show versus just listening. Like that conversion rate was a lot higher. And so as I was making those tweaks, I just really followed the direction it was going. And that also helped too, because the direction that it was heading in the direction people liked was me finding stories and telling those stories. And that was a lot easier to do on a weekly basis. I did start out when I started doing that, I was a lot more precious. And the stories would take a lot longer to put out. But I saw, because of the data, the benefit of putting out a weekly show. And so I just really hunkered down and was like, okay, I have to get this research done. I have to get the story done. If it's not perfect, it just has to be right. And it has to be good enough. And I have to put it out if I want to grow at all. And I also do this full time now. So I am able to get an episode out every week with a few breaks built in where I can take a week off and catch up on stuff. But yeah, that's kind of like the evolution, I would say, of the show. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a lot there that's really valuable. So the first thing I would say is looking at the data, right? I think it's something where a lot of podcasters, you come out with a show, it has a certain format, and you feel really tied to that. You feel really obligated yeah. to that format. Oh, this is the show I launched, and I made graphics, and I put it out mm-hmm. there. You know, you almost feel like a little bit awkward about pivoting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that can be a really challenging pivot psychologically, right? To just take that left turn, right? And just say, hey, this isn't working. But I love what you said about looking at the data, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. really what's going to help you connect with your audience. Because podcasting really is that two-way conversation. Yeah. But it's something where, you know, you're communicating with your audience through the show and they're communicating with you through their downloads, right? And so you can really see time of day, drop off, Mm -hmm. what episodes are performing, that kind of thing as well. Definitely. And it's something where don't be afraid to pivot. And we talk about this a lot at Podbean. Yeah. If you ask any podcaster to listen to their first episode, they will literally say, I will pay you not to do that, right? Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. It's like looking at your photos, you know, or like awkward family (laughs) photos. Like it's not something where people feel comfortable because the muscle I think that it takes to build a show sustainably for for an extended period of time and to do all that work on an ongoing basis means that you have to start somewhere. 
And yeah. the starting and the putting it out there is raw. It's painful a lot of the yeah. time. And you feel exposed, right? Because you haven't done it before. And you know, just trust that the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it. And you're going to get information and clues along the way to pivot. You're going to get data from your audience. Your listeners are going to tell you. I also love what you said about conversion rates, right? Of you know, seeing your social reach go up because people have listened to the podcast, seeing podcast listenership go up because people have followed you on social and are and are now subscribing to the podcast. And and like you said, it's not a passive listen anymore. They're part of your community, which is a really fun aspect as well. Everything you're saying, like yeah, yeah, to circle back to the data, and you only yeah. get better if you're listening to that data. Yeah, you can make the same show for three years, and if no one's listening to it. it and you're not paying attention to that and just blaming the world for it, then yeah. you're going to keep making the same show. And if that's the show you want to make, great, totally keep making it. But if you want to make small tweaks and kind of reckon with what's not working about the show and what is working yeah, and flex that muscle and get better, like yeah. that's when I really started noticing a big difference is when I just kind of let my ego go and was like, this isn't working. Like I thought yeah. I was making something cool, but now I'm listening to it and it's not that cool. If I don't even want to listen to a full episode, oh. the audience doesn't want to listen to a full episode. So isn't that just like peak cringe where you've made something, you've promoted it, yeah. you put it out there and then you don't necessarily feel like you're in love with it later. And that's okay. Absolutely. That's part of the process. Totally fine. What I was going to say in terms of the audience growth, in terms of social building, the listenership and listenership building social what are the call to actions that you've employed with the show through your social and within the audio of your episodes? Totally. The algorithm is so fickle and so unpredictable, but at the same time, it's a little bit formulaic. So my formula that I use on the TikToks that do the best and do the best for the show, it's like really hooky intro. I'm like asking a salacious question about the thing. I just did one today where I start by saying, we need to talk about one of the worst accidents that happened on a horror film set. It does sound like a BuzzFeed article. It does make me cringe a little bit, but I am playing a game. I'm a salesman and I'm pitching myself. We all have to tap dance on the internet. So that's fine. Like, whatever. So that's what I say. That kind of like hooks people in. And then within like the first five or seven seconds of the video, I'm mentioning like, that's why I did a whole podcast episode of it. And I'm throwing up the graphics of the show so people know that, hey, this is a really interesting subject. You're going to want to watch this whole video. And it's so interesting that I did a whole podcast on it and you're going to want to listen to the podcast too. So it's really pitching, at least for what I do. Obviously, there's a ton of different types of podcasts, but for what I do, it's yeah, pitching how interesting this subject is and then also pitching the podcast episode on it in like the first 10 seconds. And it's really fickle. But when it works, it works so well. I probably brought in last month 50,000 listeners from TikTok. But I had two videos that did really well on both TikTok and Instagram. I think they also did well on Facebook. And I had within the first 10 seconds, me telling people like, hey, if you find this interesting, like you're going to want to listen to this whole podcast episode about it. And people just flooded over. It was one of the biggest months I've ever had. So it really does work. And I see, I follow like the subreddit podcasting and every single day people are asking like, is it worth it having socials? Like, should I try TikTok to promote my podcast? And I just say, yes, 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 yes. Like it's yeah. the best tool we have right now. It's the best way to get noticed by potentially a million people. 
for free. You can just make a video and you can study the algorithm. Like you can study videos that work and just kind of copy them with your own voice, pitching your own show. And if they work, the payout is huge. You get so many new listeners. So I owe my entire listenership to social media because that's how people have found me is I just got really obsessed with TikTok and really obsessed with the algorithm and I figured out kind of how to hack it. Yeah, absolutely. And your TikToks are amazing. They're so (laughs) cool. Like it's one of those things where when you're scrolling, when you're in a doom scroll, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) When you're in a doom scroll, it's not just your face, right? You put a lot of work into it. And so I think it's something where, you know, for podcasters out there, we talk about personal bandwidth at Podbean all the time, which is how much time you have to dedicate to something. Oh, totally. And so you know, your TikToks aren't like just throwing on your camera and just pitching the episode. There's visuals, there's sound effects, there's green screen. You really put a lot of time and effort into that and they're very entertaining. And so I think it's something Mm. where when you're looking at a strategy of how to promote your podcast, like you said, it's a free platform to promote and it's an incredible tool, but use it that way. Right. Yeah, definitely. Treat it as a tool. I know a lot of people like to joke that social media is cringe or it's like for Gen Z. It's not. It's for everyone. Most of my audience is millennials that come over. Everyone's using it. Just don't be embarrassed by it. Everyone in my entire life has seen me on TikTok. Old bosses have reached out to me. Everyone I've went to high school with, all of the girls in my sorority, everyone has reached out being like, you're on my For You page. And I know I'm in group chats of people being like, look at this video Kaylin's doing and like making fun of it. I don't care. That is so... (laughs) I am getting so many listeners... So many awesome people are joining my community. I obviously am getting very passionate about it because I do believe in this, but like it's worth it. Make fun of me all you want in your stupid group chat. I don't care. I love it. I think it's just like the best thing we have. So I love that. And I think when you're doing something that you love that's successful, yeah, right? There's always going to be criticism of people that, you know, maybe knew you when you were doing something that wasn't the thing for you, right? Or knew you when you were, you know, starting out or younger or at a different job or, you know, from the past, whatever. But I love that you're so purpose-driven about it. And this is the thing that I think a lot of creators encounter is that awkwardness, right? Of, oh, someone's going to see you or, oh, this is going to be cringe. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because you've built such a successful show, right? And you enjoy it. And the TikToks are phenomenal. And totally. You know, I, I love what you said in terms of like, you know, tap dancing on the internet. Yeah. And... I think it's something where, you know, if you're going to promote something, you know, you're going to have to do that work anyways. You might as well do it in a way that you enjoy and that really works for you. And if there's a platform where you don't have the bandwidth, that's okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And for the ones that you do have the bandwidth, go hard, right? Like go hard on TikTok for you exactly with the green screen and the sound effects and those leading questions that suck you in. I think it's something that is a really important aspect in terms of getting comfortable with how you want to market yourself. And I want to go back to the podcast for a second. I know mm-hmm. we've been kind of jumping around. It's been such a fun journey with you today. But what have some of your favorite episodes been to make in terms of favorites in terms of downloads and listenerships and favorites in terms of ones you love to make? Yeah, I think I'm always surprised. There will be an episode that I am like dreading putting out a little bit because I'll listen back to it and I'll get really in my head and be like, oh, this is so different. I don't know if people are going to like this. And both times I remember that happening, they did very well and people really enjoyed them. And both of them were a little more like folklore legend driven. So there was one Mm -hmm. I did on terrifying urban legends that ended up being true. 
And then another one on just Appalachian folklore, like old ghost oh. stories about and witchcraft tales from Appalachia. And both, I didn't know if they were too vague because they're not really research driven as much. They're they're more based on lore. And people loved them. And so many people reached out from the area of Appalachia enjoying it. People reached out from all over the world. And that was really cool to be able to like engage with the fans and the listeners on those episodes. And then one that I really got into making was the two-parter I did on Boris Weisfeiler because that story yeah. just, the more I looked into it, the more the world just expanded and grew. And it starts as like a really small story of this guy who was in his early 50s, late 40s, disappears while on a hike in Chile during his semester break. You know, he was a professor. And then it just grows and you find out he was on the cult territory and they maybe got him but also there was a dictator in Chile and they were maybe using the cult as like a political prisoner camp and it just becomes this whole huge story and like I said this his sister who's been fighting for justice like since he disappeared she's been fighting for answers from our government from the Chilean government hasn't gotten any but she has meticulously kept track of every single piece of information every disclosed document, everything, every website, every letter that's been sent. She's really done a great job of keeping track of all of that. So there was just a ton of research and like good first person sources to look into this wild story. Again, that hadn't really been told a lot and it just sucks you in so hard. Like once I first started reading about it, I couldn't stop thinking about it constantly. I just, that's all I wanted to do all day was look into his story and figure out what was going on. And I was able to do two parts too. And I was nervous about that because I had never done a two-parter before. I thought people might be upset. In my head, I was like, people are going to be like, why wouldn't you just make this one part? Like just work harder and get all the information out at once. And I'm like, okay, but I have to balance being able to put in time to this and I can't (laughs) do all of this research in one week. So, but people were really receptive and they really enjoyed that episode. And I think it resonated with a lot of people A lot of Chileans also listened to that episode because a lot of Chilean people had been growing up hearing the story of Pinochet and of the Colonia Dignidad. And it sounds almost fake when they say it, like no one else in the world really took it seriously. And I felt for them, like I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And that was just like there every day. They had just like grown up with those stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so cool. Like we talked about earlier, how obviously not the tragedy of of these episodes, but I love that, you know, it's so cool that you find something that you just get obsessed with, right? Yeah. And then you just go for it, right? And that can be just across the board, right? You have this kind of broad umbrella, right? In terms of, you know, okay, it's going to be horrors, hauntings, mysteries, you know, it's going to be a little bit of like a, what did you say? Like the dark mystery of it all? Yeah, yeah. But within that, right? It's really free reign of like, hey, I just became obsessed with this and I'm going to tell this story in a way that you're going to be obsessed too, in a way. Yeah. And I think that's also part of why the show's successful, right? That excitement is contagious, right? Yeah. And it's something where I think a lot of podcasters feel awkward or feel like, oh, you know, if I'm too excited, it's not cool. (laughs) Mm. And I think, you know, that can be something where if you're not used to just going for it, there are huge benefits to, to just you know, nerding out and being excited about things that 
are interesting to you. And that curiosity, like we were talking about earlier, has tremendous value. Totally. Yeah. I tend to nerd out on really small details that I think add context. Yeah. But I've also heard from people they really appreciate that. Like, I love adding context as to, and I don't know, in true crime, you hear a lot of podcasters say things like, why would they make that decision? Why wouldn't she just do this? And it's like, you weren't there. You don't know. But (laughs) two, there could be some huge cultural context. There could be a huge time period context. You know, there's reasons for everything. And so sometimes just adding the fact that this was 1961 and this one very specific law was in place and that actually made a lot of the decisions make sense. Or I'm trying to think of a specific example from an episode. I get really like nerdy on those details because I think it also just helps paint a better picture of what was going on. And then it's a bunch of fun trivia facts that you have now. Like you now have that in your back pocket. So yeah, you can use it whenever. No, absolutely. Well, Kaylin, it's just been such a treat to chat with you today. Obviously, today is Halloween, so we're so excited to have you here with us. So excited. For everybody who is a subscriber, a listener, a part of your community at Heart Starts Pounding, Horrors, Hauntings, and Mysteries, what are some upcoming episodes that you have or maybe something coming out today that is something that our your audience can look forward to. Yeah, I'm excited for so I did in October a bunch of spooky ghost stories for Halloween. Recently, the most recent episode was probably the scariest story I've heard this year. And I say in the episode too like not a lot makes me stay up at night or like leave all the lights on in my house, but this one really shook me. And so I told that story and then I'm excited for November cuz I got really thinking about with Thanksgiving like rituals and family. And I wanted to incorporate those themes into the episode. So that's all I'll say, but I'm, I'm excited for what I have planned. Oh, absolutely. Well, Kaylin, it's just been such a treat. Thank yeah, you for thank joining you so much us. for having me and happy Halloween. Thanks yeah, again. Happy Halloween. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Podcasting Smarter. If you have any podcasting questions or want to get in touch, send us an email at podcastingsmarter at podbean.com. Thanks so much and happy podcasting.